Let's have some fun. Welcome to the Loco Experience Podcast. On this show, you'll get to know business and community leaders from all around Northern Colorado and beyond. Our guests share their stories, business stories, life stories, stories of triumph and of tragedy, and through it all, you'll be inspired and entertained. These conversations are real and raw, and no topics are off limits. So pop in a breath mint and get ready to meet our latest guest. Welcome back for another bonus episode of the Local Experience Podcast. This is Kurt Bear, and it's time for my October blog. I love the fall. Cool mornings, warm and sunny in the afternoon, later sunrises making it easier to sleep in, and the air is crisp and full of life. We're heading into the Halloween season, and then things get scarier from there. Freezing temperatures, still shorter days, icy roads and snowstorms. We don't suffer too much from these things in our modern age, or in our mild winters. But with the natural gas furnaces, automatic snow days for school, and the heated seats, but one can understand how the timing of this holiday developed when you reflect back to the times of our forefathers. They were going into the lean times, relying on preserved meats, canned vegetables, and constantly chopping and burning wood to stay warm. In many regions, people mostly ate what they grew that summer. So if they had a poor crop year, the winter ahead would be longer and hungrier than usual. But they didn't worry about Russia using tactical nukes and setting off in Armageddon, or about running out of gas to heat homes and power plants or runaway inflation, or climate change, or melting our poles and flooding our largest cities, or about the impending new world order and a future full of getting our protein from a tube and our children from a lab. Wow, went off the rails pretty fast there, huh? Au contraire, mon frere. We're right where I want us to be, reflecting on the scary times that we live in and the perhaps scarier times ahead. The truth is, it is human nature to fear for the future. In fact, it may be one of our most defining attributes. If not for this fear, we would not sacrifice, nor would we plan. We would live for the moment, and we would have long since become extinct. In this month's blog, I'll be taking a broad-scope view of the scary times we're in, and sharing reflections and examples of why we should fear not, but plan and work hard instead. This winter is likely to feel longer, and to be hungrier than any in recent memory. Energy inflation is adding hundreds of euros a month to the average household expenditure in Europe, a threefold increase from 2021, which will have citizens pinching pennies at every grocery store and going out less often to restaurants, which will leave the restaurant staff with shorter hours and pinching their pennies and going out to the pub less often and buying fewer cute new outfits, which will leave the pub workers and the retail store owners pinching pennies. And you're getting where I'm going with this, right? Economies are funny, all interconnected and reliant on so many moving parts and markets, and they don't like to shrink. Especially in our modern age, the fiat money system, the economy works best when it's growing, at a nice modest pace with low inflation, low unemployment, and small slowdowns and shrinkages can set a spiral in motion that leaves everybody poorer and all the prices higher. That's why the Western nations printed so much money during the COVID pandemic, to keep from going into a recessive tailspin. Basically, we shut down a bunch of productivity and killed a bunch of jobs and businesses, some permanently. And rather than the economy suffering the consequences immediately, we put it on credit. A buttload of credit. Between 6 and $7 trillion of new U.S. debt has been added to the balance sheet since March of 2020. And across the world, everyone did the same. Almost $20 trillion in new debt has been added to the government's balance sheets. And most were already too leveraged. And then, inflation. 
Our inflation rate in the U.S. has been 8 to 9% most of the past year. And here in Colorado, we're at the top of the nation at 15%. Nailing it, Governor. To my mild surprise, the Federal Reserve has taken this seriously and has raised interest rates numerous times and promised to keep going until the inflation monster is back in the cage. The challenge is, interest rates on five-year treasuries are now up over 4%, from 1% most of the last few years, and that higher interest spend has a real effect on the budget. The interest on our $30 trillion national debt at 4% in simple math is a buttload. I know it's not simple, but it's real. And we as a society need to understand how dangerously leveraged our government and governments around the world have become. Our societies are not too big to fail. They are too leveraged to succeed. Here's an encouraging snippet from a recent article of the Peter G. Peterson Foundation. The growth in these interest costs presents a significant challenge in the long term as well. According to CBO, the Congressional Budget Office projections, interest payments would total around $66 trillion over the next 30 years and would take up nearly 40% of all federal revenues by 2052. Interest costs would also become the largest program over the next few decades, surpassing defense spending in 2029, Medicare in 2046, and Social Security in 2049. The inflation that we're suffering from is a direct consequence of two main things. Supply disruptions, mostly still a hangover of COVID lockdowns and mandates, making availability of goods and shipping a greater challenge, and the global money printing, making all of the, the existing monetary units just a little bit smaller. The biggest disruption, of course, has been the energy supply. Putin cut off all the gas from Europe as a consequence of their support of Ukraine, and the EU has been scrambling to refill their storage and generate power through any and all means during recent months. They've especially been purchasing LNG, liquid natural gas, intended for Asia and the Middle East, driving prices and availability to levels that have sparked protests in Pakistan and Sri Lanka and other places. It's all connected. They've even been resorting to restarting coal power plants across Europe, finding it a superior decision to kick the can down the road on climate change than to have their citizens freezing to death or marching in the streets, or both. Better to keep that kind of stuff in the poor countries. But the authorities in the EU have bound themselves fairly strictly to their climate goals, which is noble, I suppose, but rather ineffective on a global scale if the Chinese and the Indians and the Brazilians and the Iranians and so many others pay it no mind. Meanwhile, America makes progress by converting to natural gas power, made available by the evil frackers, and outsourcing our manufacturing to the poor places, like Europe has done. Now, we're not going to fix climate change in this sort of blog, and probably not in my lifetime. We've got 8 billion people in the world, give or take, and about 7.5 billion of them don't care about using less carbon. They want more, and easier and more dependable and affordable. They want stable electrical power, pumped water for their homes and villages, cars and scooters instead of walking, and to cook with something other than wood or animal dung. You know what would reduce our carbon footprint? Armageddon. I found this old cartoon from 1982 both humorous and terrifying. And the cartoon depicts a natural gas pipeline, also at the end of a tank, with Germany and France saying, why all the fuss over a simple pipeline? With a communist flag on the tank. To me, that's the scariest prospect in our current season. Nuclear war. Between the U.S. and Russia, we've got over 10,000 nuclear warheads in inventory. And across the world, something over 13,000. You've heard it said that there are enough nuclear weapons to basically end the world. But there's a bit of catastrophizing in that statement. 
Millions and millions would die in the immediacy, especially if large cities were bombs. But the major impact would play out over the months and years ahead. Ash clouds would cause rapid and significant cooling, hampering crop yields for years to come and causing widespread famine. And of course, it would be radiation poisoning and increases in cancers, and probably war over the remaining productive lands. Likely a significant decline in the population, for a time. The economic disruption would be devastating, and I think most all insurance companies would fail, and much else. But then, life would go on. One would hope that there are enough distributed resources to put human knowledge and understanding back together again, and even if the lights go up for a time, we humans don't require much. Give us food and shelter and relationships and challenging things to do, and we're pretty happy. There's an old expression that some things are fun when you're going through them, and you barely remember it later, but the real fun times are when you struggle through a challenge with friends or family, and those are the times you look back upon fondly as fun. I'd suggest that we are at our happiest when we struggle through challenging times, at least if it's toward a meaningful outcome. And some of the reasons that times are so scary today is that they're too easy. Hard times create strong men, strong men create good times, good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. That's author G. Michael Hopf. There will be hard times ahead. There always are. The stage for a broad recession is set, and the governments of the world are too leveraged to kick the beat-up can down the road any longer. And there's nothing you can do about it. And there's a lot you can do about it. You can get your financial house in order, add new skills, work harder than your coworkers, get more education, start your own business, raise a garden, find a more affordable place to live, meditate, start a side hustle, get some chickens, start going to church, focus on your health, build your network, read the 12 rules for life from Jordan Peterson and try to do them. There is so much that you can do. And if you do these things with others, the impacts are even greater. And before you know it, we're back in the good times. So stay safe out there, be creative, build new skills and relationships. And if you want your government to do things for society in the future, instead of just paying interest on the luxuries of the past, vote for small government today. <laughs> and fear not, the scary times often look like the fun times in the rearview lens. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode. This is Alma Ferrer, producer of the Loco Experience podcast. If you enjoyed this program and would like to support the show, please share it with your favorite people and leave us a review. To see upcoming guests, behind-the-scenes footage, and more, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at The Loco Experience. Subscribe to never miss the latest interview, and until next time, stay loco.